You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. We welcome you to Open Court with Jay Young, your information source for Fairfield University basketball. Time to hear from the second-year head coach of the Stags as we talk about the week past and what lies ahead for the Stags. I'm Bob Huesler, joined by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis, also joining us today. And we're pleased to have with us for the first time the Stags junior point guard out of Londonderry, New Hampshire, Caleb Green. As uh, most of you know, Fairfield earned a split this past weekend at Poughkeepsie, bouncing back with a three-point win over Maris on Saturday after losing the first game of that two-game road series. Now it is a week off for the Stags as the Mac has had to again juggle the schedule for COVID reasons, and we'll talk about that more later on in the podcast. But let's start it off with uh, Caleb Green, uh, who is kind enough to join us today. And Caleb, uh, this past weekend, a Marist uh, outstanding showing. You had 14 points, nailed uh, four out of four three-pointers, three assists, no turnovers in game one. But unfortunately, that was a Fairfield loss. Then you bounced back, played well again in the Fairfield win. And it's really clear to all of us who follow Fairfield basketball that you're a much more relaxed player right now than you were early in the season when you began your Fairfield career. When did it finally click for you? When did you finally find that comfort zone? Um, I'd say these past couple of weeks, uh, probably Siena. I felt good, but there were a couple of games in there too. I, I felt good. Uh, the inconsistency was kind of getting to me, but I just kind of stayed with it, stayed in the gym, uh, worked hard, and uh, finally paid off. I got two good games in a row, and hopefully I can keep it going. Yeah, your coach told us earlier in the season that that actually, in a strange way, is a problem sometimes for you. You work almost too hard, and you are a, a gym rat. Are you learning uh, better how to uh, strike that balance? Yeah, as 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 college goes on, you learn because your body your body starts to tell you once you get uh, further and further in. But uh, yeah, I've been learning to strike the balance. I've definitely been taking our off days off, but uh, when we're on, I'm going trying to get to the gym twice a day so I can get my individual work and then uh, work with the work with the team too. So, well, uh, the point guard has an entirely different perspective. Uh most players on, on the team, as you said, work with the team. And uh, there's probably no better uh, position to be in than yours, the guy who actually uh, you know, runs the show from the point to gauge where the team is at right now. And so um, I'll put you on the spot. Is there – you see the potential for this team to uh, you know, hit a, a, a sustained winning streak as the season and moves along? And if so, uh, why would it be? Oh, my God. Of course, yeah. I, I think we're so good. We have so, and the reason, because we have so many pieces, like, this is such a talented team. Like, we have Woj, great shooter, Jalen, great shooter, Taj, great player, Jesus, great player, and you can just keep naming, go down the line. We have so many different guys that do so many different things well, and I think that's just what makes me see the potential. I mean, I think every time we step on the court, we're going to win, just because I have so much faith in our guys and and, and their skill set, so. Now, uh, the big question here, Caleb, is uh, you're described during all the broadcasts um, as a 4-0 student. Now, 
Are you still a 4-0 student? You just came off uh, the fall semester. You managed to maintain that impressive 4-0? Uh, no, I'm at a 3-9-8 now. Ah, oh, jeez. Yep, yep. <laughs> got one A minus. Business law got me. Uh, business law. Joe, how many uh, business law courses <laughs> did you take there in your Fairfield career? I, I, I probably uh, went in the front door and out the back. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb, what is your major? You just mentioned business law as one of those courses. What are you majoring in? Uh, so my major is marketing, and I'm hoping to get my MBA at the end of next year as well. Great. Congratulations, by the way, on the 398, which uh, most of us would have died for during our uh, respective uh, collegiate academic careers. Caleb, we're going to uh, follow up with you uh, soon and, and learn much more about you. Um, we're going to shift over to Jay here now and uh, ask him about this past weekend up at Poughkeepsie. You know the lay of the land very well there, Jay. You're a uh, Marist graduate. I'm sure it gave you a lot of satisfaction uh, Getting that win didn't matter if it was against Maris. That uh, you know, Stags getting the win on the back half of that home plus home was impressive. Uh, it almost seems, Jay, that if you could bottle up what you've been doing in the second game of these series, uh, you, you'd be on to something. Is it just a coincidence that the uh, the three conference wins here have come in the second game of uh, these home plus homes? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think, you know, it, it does speak to the resiliency of our guys to bounce back and, and you know, the toughness of our guys to bounce back after disappointing uh, first games. I, I would like not to have to bounce back after the second. I like to try and win the first one every now and then for sure. So we're not bouncing back. But, um, you know, it, I guess it speaks to the fact that we do correct stuff. We, we get back in, we watch it. We've been able to to make some corrections. Uh, we just got to do a better job in these first games about coming out with the same, I guess, uh, sense of urgency as we do in the second game. Uh, and that's been a problem for us all all year. But, uh, you know, cer certainly we've been able, for whatever reason, uh, come back in the second games and, and have better results. In game two against Maris, you know, Fairfield fans saw the saw long stretches of uh, the kind of defense you've been preaching about pretty much since the day that you got the job at Fairfield. Uh, we all saw it. We all saw it really uh, during that Maris game, you had to look at the, the Fairfield, the Maris win, look at that Fairfield defense for long, long stretches of the game and say, there's what you're talking about. But if you were to put it into words, what did you see? You look at the film and saw what Fairfield did well defensively. What were the key things that jumped off of the, the film for you? You know, did a better job of guarding the ball and getting our uh, getting out to shooters and, and better contests. And obviously, you know, it was the story of the first game was our post defense and the, the amount of fouls that they were able to draw on us and really just doing a, a much better job of our focus surrounding the ball in the post, getting to more uh, fronts in the post, uh, more digs from our guards that, that we just didn't have the activity around the basket that we had in the, in the first game. So uh, yeah. And, and, you know, we, we just, again, had a little more sense of urgency on that end of the floor that, that we didn't show in the first game. Yeah, I think they shot only four free throws total in that second game. And absolutely, you could see the help defense there was uh, there in uh, large quantities in the 
game two win against Maris. Now, the last five minutes of that Maris game, uh, there was the good and the bad. The bad is that you had an 11-point lead with five minutes to go. Taj knocks down a jumper. You didn't have another field goal the rest of the way. Uh, the good is that you came out of it with a win. But I'm sure when you look at the five minutes, your team was in a position now where you had to grind out a win on the road, and you did it. But um, I imagine there were some teaching moments that came out of that as to how to close out a, a game and get a win, especially on the road. What were, as far as you're concerned, the teaching moments to come out of the last five minutes in particular? Yeah, no, 100%, Bob. We, we uh, got back at it on Sunday, as we always do. And um, I said to the guys, like, in our two wins before that, we've kind of been in control of those games and really weren't tested in the last two minutes of those games, three minutes of those games. We, we were, you know, had a, had a 10 to 12 point lead and maintained it. And this was the first game where the team made a run. And, and really we, we went back and we went play for play the last five minutes of, of the game in the film and just watched the film the next day uh, over each possession offensively and, and defensively. And just the theme was, I, I thought that we were, I said, I said to the guys, you know, the bases were loaded. We were up at the plate and we were hoping that four balls got thrown and we walked to first and you can't, you have to finish games. You can't just hope that the clock runs out and you're up one. And that's what we did. Uh, we got tentative on offense. We didn't do our job uh, with our execution on a sideline out of bounds play on an out of bounds underplay. Just those, those little things that we, went over just detail by detail in the last five minutes of the game that we had to be so much better at that we weren't. We were very fortunate uh, that we were able to get some stops and they got some misses, uh, quite honestly, too, that they missed some shots that they could have made. And we were we were fortunate to win the game. But our, our execution, especially offensively, was very poor down the stretch and, and something that we focused on um, almost exclusively on Sunday night. Jay, um, the kid goes up for Marist with a makeable three to tie the game. Just curious about your philosophy on that play. And, and also, do you typically foul? I'm sure people would like to know um, how you think, how you guys think uh, in terms of fouling and not fouling in that situation. Uh, we don't foul. I don't. Uh, and, and, you know, there's arguments for either side. What happens is, and the numbers have all been uh, drawn out on this thing a thousand times. And, and I've done read all the research. I've read all the numbers. A couple of things that jump out at me is, is that um, not fouling has a slightly higher percentage than fouling, uh, the research says. And the offensive rebound percentage of a team that misses on purpose goes up dramatically because referees won't call over the backs in, in those moments. So uh, the numbers tell you slightly that uh, not fouling is, is the way to play it. Um, the other thing that I don't like is now teams – know that you're going to try and follow and they just get into the act of shooting wherever they are. And, and, um, and you're putting the, you know, my thing is we preach defense all game. And then when we need to stop at the end of the game, we're going to tell them to foul. I think it's a little uh, against your philosophy, but uh, the answer is, is we weren't going to foul. Uh, and the problem is when you don't foul and it works against you. If someone makes a three, you see it on TV, right? And people right, will, right. Tell us, will say, you got to follow, you got to follow, you got to follow. Well, there's 50 games played a night where people don't follow and they miss and, and you just never see those. But the, the ones where you don't follow, you know. Right. The other thing is you could lose the game in regulation too. 
if you follow, I saw one last year. I don't know if you guys saw that where they followed on purpose. Guy made the first, missed the second, was an offensive rebound, got sprayed out, and they lost the game. And I've, uh, I've actually seen it happen to Fairfield many, many years ago against Iona, a long time ago. But yeah. I saw that happen. Iona won it that very same way. Yeah. So, so my uh, philosophy to answer your question is don't follow there and, and, uh, and, and you know, and that's what we chill. That's what we we've always done. You know, we that's kind of the way we did it at Stony Brook and Rutgers. And uh, you know, sometimes it'll haunt you, but uh, most of the times, you you know, it, the the worst is you're going into overtime. Okay, let me bring you in quickly here uh, regarding what we just talked about the last five minutes at Marist and um, what Coach talked about after you guys watched that film on you know, following the Maris win, uh, so much of that is on you, you know, how to help close out a, a win. What did you come out of that game against Maris, particular, particularly the last five minutes, as to maybe how you might look at it a little differently the next time? Yeah, Coach was just – he – during the film session, he just told me uh, I need to demand that guys – he showed us a lot of us not playing full speed at the end of the game because we were so tentative and guys weren't being aggressive. So I, I just came out of it like you have to play. And I know the game changes in those last five minutes, but you still have to be confident. You have to uh, inspire confidence in your guys and, and demand that they play the right way. And uh, that's basically what uh, I heard from Coach Young. So Sounds good. Um, Jay, uh, I wanted to ask you about some of the, uh, the personnel decisions. Well, usually it, it relates to your starting five and the rotation after that. You put Jesus back in the starting lineup this weekend against, against Marist and um, used your two bigs, uh, Chris and, and Supreme, off of the bench. Was that a matchup thing against Marist, or is, was it Jesus earning his way back into the starting five? Yeah, much more of a matchup thing that they really play, uh, you know, four guards, and we just want a better uh, matchup. And the other thing is, you know, with Chris being in foul trouble when we've been starting, I mean, he hasn't been able to get into any rhythm in these games. So we figured if we reduce the game for him a little bit, uh, we were worried if he goes out there and has to guard, uh, you know, a guy who's a really more of a three-man that he would get driven on early and pick up fouls, and we couldn't get him into any rhythm. Instead, we put him in, and he guarded the five, and he picked up fouls, and he didn't get anything. So, so that's that's kind of what it was. But yeah, much much more of you know just trying to figure out that four spot for us, and and what's the best matchup on defense, and and how to get some produ productivity out of that on offense as well. Um, Zach Chrysler, he he struggled this weekend up in Poughkeepsie, and um, again, to just to the eye, you would know much better than any of us. Uh, it looks like he might be in a spot where Caleb was early in the season, still trying to find his his comfort zone as a stag. Um, your feelings about you know where Zach is right now, trying to find that spot where he can be as productive as you know he can be. Yeah, Zach's Zach's done a good job. He you know he he got unlucky I think uh, a little bit uh, that first game where you know he picks up a you know which could have. You know, easily been a no call the first foul of the game. So he picks up an early one right away. And then uh, we have a bad closeout on the perimeter and he does the right thing. He tries to rotate over and take a charge. Uh, it wasn't really his fault. And he's just a little late and gets a block instead of a charge. So now you look at the clock, it's 19 something. And 
he's got two fouls. So mm-hmm. you've got to sit him out and, and we put him back in with two fouls in the first half. And then, you know, I took him out in the last, I don't know, under three minute mark and just went with Jason to try and, okay, we can't have him pick up a third foul under three minutes, but it was just tough for him to get into any rhythm. Yep. Um, and then, then, then he gets in there. He doesn't want to foul. So, uh, you know, Zach's got to have a little more balance between the two and the three. Uh, he's heavily relying on the three right now. We got to get him, you know, around the basket a little more confident, but he's done a good job for us. He's, you know, there's things that he took a huge charge, uh, probably a game winning play on defense in the, in, in, um, our second game on Jones that, that was just a, you know, a play that, that really won us the game. I thought, uh, so he's done a good job. And, and again, it's, it's kind of, you look at the box score and if he makes a couple threes, you love him. And if, if he has a night where he doesn't make any threes, he's, he's, you know, he's not as successful. Um, so that's where the balance part comes in. He's got to get a couple more things around the basket where he's just not so heavily relying on the three to, to help his night. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, we tend to sometimes look at those shooting numbers and make too much of a judgment on those as opposed to, like you said, the, uh, you know, the, the drawn charge is not something that shows up or jumps off the box score at you, but that was a huge play in that game. And, and I also think, you know, just what, you know, and I think Caleb would tell you that, that Zach, the, the flow of our offense, because Zach has a little better feel sometimes for what we're doing is it can be better when he's in there at times, just, Things move a little more when he's in there, and he's got a, a good feel for when to set a kind of a flare on on the weak side and that type of stuff that that helps us. But you're right, Bob. There's a lot of stuff that he does that just kind of doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And Caleb, uh, how much further along are you uh, as far as meshing with what is a Fairfield team that was kind of put together, so to speak, on the fly because you got Zach and Jake eligible you know, later into the season. And now you've got a, you know, a different look as far as the flow of uh, that offense in particular is concerned Uh, from the point guards perspective, how were you able to handle that, that change in, in mid season when you had the two new pieces, I mean, familiar pieces, you've been practicing with them, but now in game situation, obviously a whole different story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we're well on our way to meshing completely. There's been plenty of moments, um, that you guys have seen in the game where our offense is flowing and we get great shots and we'll have stretches like that five minutes at a time and stuff like that. But uh, those two guys, it's it's easy from a point guard perspective because they, they can shoot it. So, I mean, they space the floor on pick and rolls and uh, they're ready on kickouts and they, they make it easier. So I don't think it was too hard of an adjustment with those two guys. And Coach uh, Jake is starting to really find his offensive game, isn't he? Yeah, he's been in a good rhythm, um, you know, and and I, I said to him uh, on Sunday night, the thing that he has to do now is, and, and not that he wasn't, but he's clearly going to be at the top of the scouting report now and teams will game plan for him. So he's got to just kind of work harder for his shots, get a little more separation. It's going to be, it's going to start to get tougher for him. Uh, and that's fine. And and hopefully, you know, if it gets tougher for him, it gets easier for some of the other guys. But uh, uh, he's been in a very good rhythm, um, you know, and and uh, sharing the ball has done a great job. You know, I think he's uh, 19 assists, only nine turnovers, which is a tremendous number. Uh, and, you know, uh, we played him a little at the point, you know, with Caleb sat a few minutes that Caleb does. We moved him over and he did a good job there, too. Jay, um, speaking of personnel, 
and uh, it was good to see Taj get the double double. And um, I hate doing this, uh, but I guess it's kind of so that it's my job. And Taj is one of my all-time favorites. He was really struggling in the three games before, like five for 27, one for 13. Is he out of his slump or is he at the top of the scouting report? Was he at the top of the scouting report? So I'm asking you two questions. Why the slump and and you think he's out of it now? How's his uh, frame of mind? Well, as I told Bob, um, clearly being on your podcast, sent him into a, uh, <laughs> a tailspin uh, because he was in such a such. So I was hesitant to have Caleb join us today. Uh, um, you know, I, I said to him, he came uh, to my room after the first Maris loss, and and I, I just said to him, like, look, and you guys have heard me say this, that happens. It's I coached a lot of good shooters, a lot of good players, and it happens. You go on these stretches as a player where the ball doesn't go in. And I was just a little disappointed that I thought that let him, that affected him in the game on the first game against Marist. Like he, he, he didn't have the energy on the defensive end and you could tell his body language wasn't good after a couple of messes. And I, I don't, care about the misses. I mean, I know people cringe when I say that, but I mean, I prefer they go in uh, like everybody else, but I just want, they're going to go in. And if we defend and rebound, you know, good things will happen to you. You'll get an easy one. You'll get out of it. And I, the first guy I complimented after a win was the 10 rebounds that he got that he affected winning other than his offense. So I, you know, it's same thing with Caleb. You know, people ask me, you know, well, what's when Caleb wasn't shooting it well early. Look, <laughs> you tell me if Caleb's got great character and so does Taj, and they're in the gym constantly. So there's, I've been doing this a long time. It never doesn't work if those two things come together. So uh, same thing with Taj. He bounced back, had a good second game, had 10 rebounds, defended. And that's, that's a great box score to me, you know, uh, and, and yeah, so I hope it's over. And he just had just, I, I, just taking good shots, forced a couple bad ones, you know, playing him a lot of minutes. I, I'm sure some fatigues, this, but you know, you gotta, you gotta play both ends of the floor. And that's what I want all the guys to do. Coach, unfortunately at the end of that Maris game, I mean, literally at the end of game two, saw uh, Jalen uh, limp off there at the end. Uh, what's the latest on him? What can you tell us about his injury? Yeah, Jalen had a tough week. He, uh, what was it, Wednesday in practice, he dislocated his left finger and we had trouble getting it back into place. So that was bothering him going into the game and we have, we taped it up and Mike got trained and did a good job, but it was clearly bothering him. And then he had the foot injury late in the game. Uh, seeing a doctor this week uh, has not done anything, obviously, since that, but he's... Uh, you know, the best I can say is day to day. Um, and we're, you know, just kind of waiting to see what happens, but he is in a boot right now and not putting much pressure on his foot. It was a, a foot injury, not an, I thought at first when he did it, I thought it was an ankle sprain, but it's a foot injury that just kind of landed on it the wrong way. Just one of those kind of freak things that uh, we're waiting to kind of get some, some uh, more information back on it. Well, the good thing is uh, if you will, you're not playing this weekend, so maybe they'll give him some more time to get better. So my question to you is you kind of locked in with Jesus at the four recently, it seems. Do you now give him minutes at the three, or there's somebody on that bench that's going to step into that spot? 
Yeah, we, you know, if, if Jalen can't go, I think it's everybody. I think AJ's got to be ready again. And, and uh, you know, AJ, AJ's a good player who doesn't have a lot of confidence right now. He's got to be ready to go. John Kelly's got to be ready to go. Jesus has got to be able to play some more. It's kind of the next man up, you know, um, type of thing. Someone's going to get an opportunity here and, and uh, someone can take advantage of it. All right, as uh, the Stags now head into a week of uh, no games, we'll talk about that in uh, a little bit. But we want to get back to Caleb. And uh, as promised, Caleb, wanted to uh, delve a little deeper into uh, your uh, basketball career, uh, which uh, began at Holy Cross, and then you transferred to Fairfield. Uh, why did you initially select the Crusaders? Who else was involved in your recruiting process? And then what led to the transfer here to uh, Fairfield? Um, initially I selected, uh, Holy Cross just because, um, I liked the head coach, uh, Bill Carmody at the time. Um, and I had an opportunity to step in and play right away, which was big in my recruitment. Um, I mean, that's big in anybody's recruitment. Like that, that's what, you, that's what you come to college for. You want to get on the floor as soon as possible. Um, and I love the school. It was a great school and that, that, I would, that helped my mom. So she was a big fan of that too. Um, what, and the next question was what led to the transfer? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Coach Carmody ended up uh, retiring and it was a uh, mid summer. And uh, I called my mentor who is, who knows uh, coach young really well. And I was like, Oh, does coach young have any more spots? And uh, he did. And I like what coach young stands for. And he's a good guy, a good coach. And I was like, let's do it. And uh, ended up here. You uh, you mentioned your mentor. That would be T.J. Thompson, who is a former star at George Washington and who is now, um, I believe, an administrative assistant at Rutgers, if I'm correct, uh, Coach Young. Um, but uh, T.J. Um, was your AAU coach. And uh, most Fairfield fans know that you played um, at Proctor Academy with uh, Chef Gala Kalandi and also Gio Baker at Rutgers and that's uh, a heck of a high school uh, team you had there, Proctor Academy, but AAU basketball as well under TJ, who clearly I read a little bit about what he meant to you um, uh, as far as your basketball development is concerned. Why don't you tell us a little bit about him and uh, how he grew into having such a, a big influence upon your basketball career? Yeah. So I met TJ when I was in seventh grade. And I was sitting on the bench of another AAU team. And uh, I think he had mentioned to his wife, who I'm also really close with, that uh, he could help me. And he thought I, would, he, I thought I could be really good. And so I started working with him uh, from like eighth grade on. We went to the gym every single day. Um, and I'm beyond grateful for what he has done for me on the court. He completely changed my game taught me everything I know and uh off the court he's just been supportive through even life stuff too so I'm beyond grateful for him and his wife um they mean a lot to me and uh in my in my career obviously Caleb I have a couple uh, questions why basketball when did you pick that up when you were younger who who was the influence you know in your family is there anybody in your background that that played uh, does anyone play now that that you're close with yeah so my brother is a uh, 10 years older than me and he probably didn't like me for the first 10 years of my life but I wanted to be exactly like him and I wanted to do everything he was doing and go everywhere he was going 
And uh, he played basketball up until he played two years in college at a, at a community college. And uh, he was basically my main influence. Whatever he was doing, I was trying to do. And uh, he loved basketball. And so I fell in love with it and just haven't stopped since. I think that was uh, fourth grade is when I really started playing. Yeah. So when, when you chose Holy Cross, um, what were the other schools you were looking at? What other schools offered you? Who'd you visit? Yeah. So I had UNH. I had Stony Brook uh, when Coach Young and Coach Pico were there. I had uh, Lafayette, Loyola, um, UNH, Brown. Mm. And I might be missing one or two. But those were the main, the, uh, the main people recruiting me. And uh, it came down to Stony Brook and Holy Cross at the end. You said that your mom was very happy about your choice of Holy Cross because of its uh, academics. And of course, she's got to be equally happy about your choice of Fairfield for the same reason, a strong academic school. Tell us a little bit about your mom and, and your dad, their names, and uh, uh, they've helped uh, you steer you through uh, not only your basketball career, but obviously some of these major life decisions. Yeah, yeah. So my mom, her name is Beverly Green. My dad is uh, Tom Green. And they've they've had just like this unwavering trust in my judgment and they've basically just supported me through everything I felt was right and it's basically been open communication which I think has been really good in like my development as a person and uh, I just think it was really big that they allowed me to make my own decisions and they've just been behind me the whole time so um yeah you're, uh, you're close to, uh, as we've talked about, a 4-0 student at the college level. Were you always a good student? Were you a good student in uh, grammar and high school as well? Yeah, I was, I was a good student uh, all throughout my years in like high school and elementary school and middle school. I struggled um, my first two semesters, but Holy Cross is no joke when it comes to academics. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just an, just an adjustment period. You're from uh, Londonderry, New Hampshire. Is your family... Uh, lifelong New Hampshire or is, is that somewhere you settled uh, as a family? Uh, yeah. My, so my dad's from Indiana. Uh, he's, he's a big Larry Bird guy. And uh, my mom from uh, Massachusetts originally, nor Northern Massachusetts. So I think that's where the tie came in. And uh, my dad just wanted to settle my family because I have a sister and a brother and me. He wanted to settle us in a place with a good school. So I think that was the, the whole point of moving to London and then you had to overcome that stigma of uh, not many great basketball players come out of the state of New Hampshire. Uh, that's something you've dealt with during your basketball career, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, and I think uh, once people saw our AU team, like you mentioned, our high school team, we kind of changed that for a little and, and hopefully we can keep it going in the, in the right direction. I know there was some talk of you guys maybe uh, at one point uh, being a recruiting package, the three of you, again, meaning you and, and Chef and Gio Baker. Now, obviously, Gio goes to Rutgers, but you and uh, Chef are now reunited. How much, uh, what, what kind of, um, uh, well, same thinking went on there when you guys made this decision to both come to Fairfield as transfers? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think TJ – TJ has a lot of trust in Coach Young and his vision. And um, so Chef obviously made the move before I did. And then he was he was a big influence in me uh, making the move to Fairfield because I just had conversations with him and uh, he, he loved it. And I was like, all right, I'm sold. And I was excited to play with him again and be around him. He's a good guy, a good friend. So made it a lot easier. 
How, how much easier is it, is it at Fairfield to walk the classes than Holy Cross going up and down those freaking hills? <laughs> it's a lot less tiring. A lot <laughs> less tiring in the legs. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, some some nights doing games at Holy Cross and getting up those damn driveways. But oh. so, was a pain in those ice storms. Uh, Chef, uh, you obviously know very well. Uh, we watch him, and we see these flashes of tremendous athleticism, and uh, you really can see, at least with the eye test, uh, how good he can be. Why don't you tell us how good Chef Galakalandi is going to eventually be by the time all is said and done at Fairfield? Yeah, I think his ceiling is very high. Um, all depends on how hard he works, and, and I'm, I've been seeing him in the gym as of late and uh he wants to get better you know uh he loves the game and he's like top five percent athletes in the world like it's it's crazy and uh i mean very high, but i think he can be very good and uh getting back to your uh, academic career you already told us earlier that you're going to pursue your uh, MBA. Now, I, I imagine as uh, most players of, of your caliber uh, uh, look at it, basketball may be something you do for a long time. Uh, but beyond that, uh, what do you hope to parlay that uh, MBA into as far as a career is concerned? Yeah, that, it's interesting. I, like, I, I see myself as a coach at the end of the day. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> But I also also have a, a lot of other interests. Like um, I like real estate a lot, so I'm into that. I watch a lot of videos on that. So I mean, may, I mean, maybe we'll see where life takes me. Um, I'm just trying to finish that degree because that'll open up a lot of doors and opportunities itself. So we'll see what happens with that. Well, uh, Caleb, uh, your parents—you uh, mentioned how they've already trusted you with your decision-making process. I have a feeling everything's going to work out pretty well for you when all is said and done. And uh, coach, um, as usual, we ask you uh, for the housekeeping portion of the podcast, meaning uh, injuries and how you mentioned John Kelly and uh, maybe getting him some more playing time. And uh, I know, you know, Jason Udipai got some time in game one, uh, against Maris, but uh, why don't you tie up some of these loose ends as we put the wraps on this podcast? Yeah, we spoke about Jalen, uh, obviously, earlier. Um, Calvin had surgery this morning uh, to repair his shoulder. Unfortunately, he's going to be done for the year. Oh, that's too bad. Um, yeah, just something that um, uh, he tried to power through it and rehab, and it just it just wasn't going to happen. So uh, decided to have the surgery. He, his mom texted me about an hour ago. It went really well, so... Um, that's what we got. We got, uh, we got him and, uh, going to have a couple extra assistant coaches, just what I need more guys with opinions for the next, for the next couple of weeks, you know? Um, so we got, we got a couple more assistants that'll be joining us on the bench. And, um, that is terrible news about Cal. You hate to hear that. Uh, hope we'll uh, send out our best to him uh, for a, a full recovery as he recovers from that shoulder injury. Um, this is an unusual week. Um, I hate to use the word COVID carousel because carousel is not the word we use when we talk about COVID. Uh, but the way things are working, teams go into pause and get that domino effect in the schedule. And obviously it affected you. Everything's good. Knock on wood with Fairfield as far as uh, COVID is concerned. But um, you have no games this weekend because of others being affected. So how do you spend the time? It's almost like um, 
you know, preseason part two in a way, I guess. But how are you approaching it? Well, I, I think one thing is you got to be ready for, for a game because uh, it could happen in any second. That's the first thing I told the guys. Like, So we, we were uh, obviously planning on playing Canisius. I was on the bus on the way home from Marist, and, and Paul Slickman called me and said Canisius was being shut down and we were going to play Quinnipiac. Um, and then Sunday, we're in here doing work, getting ready for Quinnipiac, and uh, we get the email from the commissioner that there's been another change because of our owner, and, and now we're off. So in 24 hours, we went from Canisius to Quinnipiac to being off. Um, and I just went into the guys, and I just said, hey, this is, you know, this is what this year is. And uh, one, we're going to stay ready, uh, and we got to be ready to play in case there's, you know, you're always a test away from someone else being shut down and then then you have an opponent and you're playing. So we got to stay ready. Uh, but I also said that this is a, a opportunity for us as a team and individually to judge where we are now and w- however long or whenever our next opponent is be much better. Can we get in the gym and be better individually and collectively? So that that's kind of the message that we've, we're giving to the guys. We uh, some time to kind of get healthy and, and, you know, get our bodies. We've had some, some uh, obviously some injuries that we talked about and just other minor stuff that guys have, you know, playing a lot of minutes, especially at that guard rotation. So we're going to use it to get better and, and get better as a team. Hey, Jay, I know there um, are uh, other teams that are in a situation like you are. They're not on pauses, but they're not playing because of the teams that are supposed to be playing. Tell our listeners, could you play an out-of-conference game this weekend if you wanted to? Well, yeah, uh, we could have, and we talked about that. Um, a couple things. They, they do want you to keep the game, the weekends available in case another uh, team goes out of commission. Yeah. So that's always in play. Um, uh, so we talked about maybe doing something out of conference. At the end of the day, uh, Joe, it was really, we said, you know, uh, we weren't sure whether we would have to, like, play a conference game and I'm still not. I mean, it's Tuesday here and you know, you, you got to be ready for a call at any minute that, that you are playing a conference game. And the second thing was we were just going to take the time to kind of get healthy. Um, and, and uh, I didn't know if, if playing a non-conference game on Saturday would have been in our best interest anyway. So we just decided to take it off. And I, I don't know if we could have done it. We, we certainly, there's no rule against it. Um, but I just didn't know where the advantage for us would be, uh, rather than just kind of getting, getting healthy and, uh, and leaving it open in case we are playing a conference game. And if, if someone else goes down, there is a rule in the NEC that you're not allowed to yeah. play a conference game, non-conference game after December 26th. Yeah. We don't have that rule. Okay. Okay. And, and coach, how much time do you actually need or how much time has the conference promised you in terms of, okay, we need you guys to now play on Friday or Saturday. When do you need to know that? There's, it's a good question. There's nothing that's been written or nothing. I, I you know, I think that they're going to, we could literally know Thursday, Friday, if something happened, we'd be expected to play and so with the other team. The, the one thing that we did do uh, when we found out we were playing Siena is we moved that back to Saturday, Sunday to give us an extra day. Cause I think we found, was it Wednesday night or Thursday? I, you guys might know. We found out late. That was a late switch that we were going to play Siena. So we did move that back a day yeah. mm-hmm. uh, just to give us a little more time. But there's no real 
hmm. anything written written down. So I mean, I think you know, I think obviously Friday would be something that that would be a little um, very tough for us to do. Uh, but I, I could expect Thursday morning a call as late as hmm. Thursday morning that we could play someone. Interesting. And Caleb, uh, real quickly, um, what is it like from a player standpoint to deal with all of this uh, uncertainty? Uh, it was tough at first. I'm kind of getting in, like, it's weird to say I'm kind of getting a rhythm with the uncertainty, if that makes any sense. So I'm just really taking it day by day. And then we have practice today. It's all I'm focused on. So Interesting way of putting it. Yeah, uh, getting into a rhythm with the uncertainty, which uh, is like we – like to say the new normal, everything is abnormal. But uh, yeah, you learn to deal with it after a while, unfortunately. Uh, Joe, anything else before we put a wrap? On yeah, I know here? we're up against time, Jay. So um, as I get older, the less I like change. And I guess the word for the day is loophole. What's the deal with these high school kids now enrolling and playing in the middle of the season? I see it more prevalent in the girls. And I, I know Iona did that with a kid from Kentucky Number one, do you have anybody that's going to be joining the Fairfield Stags and going to class next week? And your thoughts about that? We don't. Uh, I, I think what changed it all was was the this is a freebie for everyone. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I think every school is doing – I know Rutgers just had someone join them, but it's the same thing. Like, uh, if you can graduate early, a lot of these teams aren't playing high school basketball anyway or very limited schedule. So the advantage is – Enroll them in college. They get to practice or play with the team. Of course. And they come back the year afterwards. So that, I think that's why you're seeing it, it done so well, so much. Yeah. All part of this crazy 2020-2021 season, which uh, continues to roll along. Hopefully uh, we get to a good place when all is said and done. Uh, Caleb, you are certainly in a good place here at Fairfield. We're glad to have you. And uh, thanks for being our guest here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That'll do it for this edition of Open Court with Jay Young. Next week, we'll talk about, well, whatever the Stags ended up doing uh, for the rest of this week, whether or not they uh, get some time off uh, to uh, go over things and, as Jay said, get healthy, or who knows, maybe a, a game or two will be thrown their way between now and when we join you again. When we do join you again, we think we'll be talking about the Stags' upcoming games the following weekend. It's uh, – Big test, some tough road series coming up for the Stags as they get ready to play Monmouth in the following weekend on the road against Manhattan. So, as always, funny to talk about here on the podcast. All that's coming your way next time on Open Court. So, for Jay Young and the Fairfield Hall of Famer Joe DeSantis, and for Caleb Green and our great producer Ryan Minahan, I'm Bob Heisler. Thanks for listening to Open Court with Jay Young. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.